everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast, and thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Taglier. You can find us on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL and at Bobby Fantasy Pro. Tags, I'm sure you were hoping I wouldn't mention this in front of all our listeners, but uh, your winning streak has come crashing to an end, buddy. <laughs> Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Bobby, uh, I will I will admit defeat on the podcast and say that Bobby beat me in the mock draft accuracy competition, which I mean, I'm just let down. I mean, I'm sorry for those of you out there who root for me. I, I'm sorry I let you down. <laughs> I will do better in the future. Um, but I mean, it, it, it it's such a fun thing to do. And, and the yeah. thing is, the NFL draft can be so unpredictable. And especially when you talk about how many trades, you know, kind of take place. I mean, over the full NFL draft, what were there? There was over like 30 trades, wasn't there? Was there 32 yeah. or something like that? I don't know, man. There were so many. There were a bunch in the first round, as always. And, yeah. uh, you know, today we're going to discuss our updated fantasy football rankings. And you can bet they've changed a ton since the last time we chatted about them. We'll hit up the rookies first, then dive into some veterans who had some big moves in the rankings as well. Joining us for all this is our guest, Justin Boone of thescore.com. His rankings are always among the most accurate in the industry. And you can find him on Twitter at his name, Justin Boone. Justin, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. But right off the bat, you guys got my competitive juices flowing. Where did you guys come in in the mock draft competition? I was uh, in the mid 30s. I I mean, it's we had 137 people. So it's right around that uh, that top quadrant uh, tags was was a few spots behind me. Yeah, I was in. Uh, I, I think, think I was in the 60s. That. I can't I, I can't you got remember one exactly spot what. above uh, above Matt Miller, though. So. <laughs> that works out. That's nice. <laughs> I think I, I think I finished around uh, thirty somewhere. So not not nice. the usual top ten that I'm used to in the in season competition we do. But I I was happy. I thought it was going to be much worse than that when I was watching it. <laughs> I thought mine was going to be a lot better. I was like, man, I'm smart. I got a lot of these things right. And then there were like thirty five people ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, no, they were saying the average. I saw a stat. I think Daniel Jeremiah tweeted it out in that uh, saying that the average mock draft this year got like two point four picks correct. That was it. There, there was one expert who had 11 correct. Yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. I know Evan Silva did a really good job from Roto yeah, World. So 10. Shout out to Evan, man. Yeah, man, that makes me feel a lot better. I got seven and I was I was looking at Evan and, and those guys getting 10 and 11. I was like, man, I am a loser. I'm a big old idiot. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to do, man. It is really tough. All right, guys. So we're just going to dive right into it. We have a lot of stuff to talk about here today. Uh, let's start about the rookie rankings and we'll start at quarterback here. Which quarterback do you have the highest right now, Justin? All right. So don't kill me for this one. But right now I have Allen the highest. Now, you got to hear me out on this, though. So when I'm doing my projections, when I'm doing my projections, I'm looking at it from a standpoint of starts. Who is going to get the most starts this season? And looking at how bad the Bills situation is. I do think Allen has a chance to be the week one starter, and I'm not so sure any of the other guys do. So I don't think that Allen is going to be a good fantasy option. I'm not overly excited about any of these guys from starting in week one. I think later in the season, when we see Mayfield get in there, when we see, you know, maybe if the Ravens go off the rails and we see some Lamar Jackson, that would be interesting. Um, you know, going to going with Allen, that Bill's receiving core is terrible. It's arguably the worst in the league. But over the year, I do think that he's going to see the most action, which I think will turn into the the most stats. And if we're looking at it from that standpoint, he's the guy that I have ranked first. I think Mayfield has the best chance if we're looking at a guy, if Tyrod stumbles out of the gate, um, which I don't really think he's going to do. Um, you know, Tyrod's a guy who has shown with the Bills, going back to the Bills again, Tyrod showed with a pretty weak supporting cast that he was able to pop off and have some big fantasy outings and really have a, a pretty good overall average for fantasy and was a really, really useful player. Um, and now he's going to the Browns, which it seems very strange to say, but look at the weapons the Browns have now. It's it's unbelievable. Josh Josh Gordon, you know, Landry, Corey Coleman, you know, even drafting a guy like Antonio Callaway, who's got a ton of talent, albeit some, you know, off-field issues, some character concerns there. But, uh, you know, in, in Joku, looking at the running backs, adding Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde and, um, you know, having Duke Johnson as a receiving threat there. I think that the Browns quarterback could be a sneaky value for fantasy this season. The only thing that's going to depend there is when is Mayfield going to see the the field, actually, because I think yeah. Tyrod will start the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tyrod does well enough to hold him off for a while. You know, if, if Tyrod was to play the full season, I think I'd have him in my top 15 quarterbacks with that surrounding cast. 
Oh, right? it's hard not exactly. to. Yeah, it's hard not to. And now we should have prefaced this this question by saying, Bobby, is this, are you talking about a dynasty ranking or are you talking about redraft? Let's do both, man. Let's talk about both. And, you know, there's so many different ways to look at this. Like, you can look at it as who's going to have the most total fantasy points at the end of the season. I agree. I think it's going to be Josh Allen because I think that he's going to start 13, 14, 15 games. I don't think you can say the same about Mayfield, who I'd project at about nine right now. Lamar Jackson, I'd project at five. In terms of if they all were going to play 10 games exactly, Lamar Jackson would have been my number one, and it's not even close because of his rushing upside. I mean, we're talking about someone who might be as good of a rusher in the NFL as Michael Vick. Um, Now, who do I think is going to be the most valuable in terms of fantasy football? It's Baker Mayfield, because when he's on the field, I think that he is uh, a borderline QB1. Most starts, I don't think you can say that even close about Josh Allen. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm i actually on the other side, Justin. I don't think that Josh Allen even starts for the Bills this year. I think that I think that they have to understand that their team is in a, in a really bad place right now. They didn't address the offensive line in the draft. They don't have any receivers for him to throw to. We don't know what's going on with Zay Jones. I think that A.J. McCarron probably starts the season, and they say, you know, Josh Allen, we have a plan for you, and they know that he's not a complete quarterback right now. They've talked about having a plan uh, for him. So uh, honestly, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he sat for I think that he does make starts this year don't get me wrong I think there's a point where AJ McCarron's going to be bad with a, a bad surrounding cast a bad offense all that combined he so Josh Allen is going to play I just don't think he's going to start right away I think that the interesting one that where it's possible I think Josh Rosen has a chance to start from day one and we talked about it with Jeff Ratcliffe and the reason is because you know there's a new coaching staff there Sam Bradford doesn't know the offense neither does Josh Rosen Josh Rosen as we know is a smart human being he's let us all know that um and they, you know, they traded a lot. I shouldn't even say a lot because they didn't even have to give up future first to move up to get him. But they did trade up to make it a point to grab him. I think that Rosen has a chance to start day one because Larry Fitzgerald might go to bat for him and say, hey, this is my last season here. I want you guys to put the best quarterback under center. And that might very well. Bradford's be. good, man. Well, Bradford is also we don't know if he's healthy. Like the last time You're we right. saw we him no on a field idea. was against the Bears and he's limping around. So. In fact, I would guess he's not healthy. I think it's nuts that they gave him twenty million dollars, like up front. Like I, I just, <laughs> Bradford, I, I, Bradford is just stealing yeah, money from insane. all these organizations, man. <laughs> yep. And then, and then if Hugh Jackson starts out poorly, I don't think Baker Mayfield should play. It's kind of like how I felt with Mitch Trubisky last year, where I didn't want Mitch to play, and I understand that people are like, experience, yada 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 yada. Jared Goff, yada. I understand all that, but I, <laughs> me personally, I don't like my the quarterbacks that I like playing under bad coaches. And Hugh Jackson is a bad coach, um, and he's going to get fired at some point. It's just a matter of when. Uh, so Baker may not play this year. I think that they trading a, a first pick in the third round, that's very expensive to play for a quarterback that you're that you're going to take off the field after eight games. I do think Tyrod Taylor plays as long as he holds up, you know, because he does take a lot of hits uh, being the mobile quarterback he is. So in redraft, I'm not touching any of them. But if, yeah. if I had to predict, well, what, two, what about like two quarterback leagues? Which one would you like the most? I would say that Rosen, because I, like I, like I said, I think that he has the best chance and the most talent uh, to start from day one. The thing that I'll agree with you there, Tags, is if Rosen, if we find out along the way in the rest of the offseason that Bradford's knee is just gone and he's not going to start, Rosen would take over that spot, like I'm saying, for Allen, simply based on I think he's the most pro-ready of all these guys. I think he could Mm -hmm. step in. And they have some decent weapons. Let's not forget David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. You know, they got some young receivers and and Christian Kirk in the draft, obviously. So um, I think Rosen is a guy who I don't know that he'd be fantasy relevant outside of two quarterback leagues, kind of like Bobby just Mm -hmm. said, uh, but he would vault to number one on that list if he wins that job or if Bradford, you know, his health is just too much of a concern. Yeah, Yeah, because Mike Lennon's not good. Obviously, this uh, makes a lot more of a difference in dynasty leagues, especially those two quarterback dynasty leagues. So um, it's funny, we haven't even mentioned Darnold, but he might be the best in these dynasty leagues. What do you think, Justin? Well, when you're talking about an injured or injury to your starter, McCowan's that guy. McCowan always gets injured. So it's really only a matter of time until Darno gets in there. The thing about it, though, is I don't really love that Jets offense. Um, and Darno's a guy coming in. We're talking about Rosen being, you know, pro ready or the most pro ready of these guys. I think Darnold's almost, you know, at the opposite end, closer to where Josh Allen is, where I think he's going to need a little bit of work. I think he's going to need a little bit of time. Um, so I don't love his prospects in year one. If we're talking about dynasty, then obviously he's he's right up at the top for me. 
Yeah, it's going to be really telling uh, the Jets what they do with their depth chart, because like when you look at it, you're thinking like, OK, Josh McCown was brought back, said he was going to be the starter. Teddy Bridgewater was signed. They could cut him. We don't know because there was only a, reportedly only one million dollars guaranteed if they were to cut him. Uh, you have Bryce Petty still in the depth chart. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about Christian Hackenberg, but I'd, <laughs> I'd be interested to see if they carry three quarterbacks because um, Darnold is someone that was considered to that he should sit for a year. He's the one with the least amount of experience, uh, the least ready you know, maybe outside of Lamar Jackson. So um, for dynasty purposes, Baker Mayfield is still my number one quarterback of this rookie class. I have Rosen too, because when you're projecting quarterbacks, like I understand why people want to say Lamar Jackson is the best dynasty quarterback because he's going to give you the most fantasy points. I'm talking about the longevity when I'm talking about these quarterbacks. So if you're going to spend a second round pick in a rookie dynasty league, I want longevity out of a guy. And, you know, we've seen it with RG3. We've seen it with some of these mobile quarterbacks where it's like they may take a hit, get hurt, and they may not come back at the same as the same player. Teddy Bridgewater, you know, we just talked about him. So, well, Rosen's know. my number five because of that reason. I mean, we're talking about someone who's had shoulder surgery in the past two years. He had two concussions last year. That is bad news for a quarterback. Well, he's a prototypical Especially one passer, playing behind though. an offensive line that's not that great. That's, that's the, right. That's the only reason that I think that Josh Rosen might not start. Is But then, but then again, you're talking about Sam Bradford. Like, he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I've got Lamar Jackson way ahead of everybody else in terms of dynasty. I mean, this is fantasy football. He's not the best quarterback. He might not play for five, six years. Um, you know, 12 years, like one or two of these guys are going to do, but Lamar Jackson is going to come out and he's going to be fire for three or four years here because his running talent, I mean, it's better than RG three. It's better than all these guys who lit the world on fire with their legs, except for Michael Vick. That's who Lamar Jackson is. He just doesn't have the arm strength of Vick. Right. Well, that's the thing. I do I, wonder I also, as well. Yeah. I do wonder as well with the Ravens, you're looking at a coaching staff that, you know, this could be their last year, right? Like we, they've had some struggles. I would not be shocked if, you know, Harbaugh is on the the hot seat as the season goes on, at which point if the Ravens, you know, somehow do struggle, um, I don't know that they will, even though, you know, Flacco clearly isn't the elite quarterback he thinks he is, but I don't know that that team's going to struggle, struggle based on their defense and, you know, some of the additions they made on offense like Crabtree. But if they do, and, you know, Jackson's the kind of guy who could come in and all of a sudden breathe life into your team, you know, not to make the the direct Deshaun Watson comparison, but look at Watson did with the Texans last year. He came in and all of a sudden, you know, they became the most prolific offense there for a little while while, while he was healthy. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a chance that that coaching staff maybe feels forced to do a decision at some point this year to go with Jackson. Yeah. So if we're doing a startup dynasty draft, I'm taking Jackson at 13. I still don't have him as a QB one tags. How high would you take Mayfield in a one quarterback league? Yes. Oh, I wouldn't touch a court. I wouldn't touch a quarterback in the top 20, 24 picks. in a dynasty startup. Correct. Okay. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. So uh, even Aaron Rodgers, my number one dynasty quarterback, I wouldn't. Take oh, I'm not him. talking about overall. I'm sorry. At the position, Lamar Jackson is my number 13 quarterback. Oh, number dynasty. 13 quarterback. No, I actually don't have any of them in the top 12 right now. Um, yeah. I'd prefer to see them before putting them up that high. I have Mayfield at 17 and he's the highest. Okay. And, and Justin, where do you stand? Who's your top dynasty startup quarterback? I haven't got around to uh, doing the dynasty update yet, so uh, that's a plan uh, for later in the week. Okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. All right, we're going to keep moving on here in just a second, but first, let's say hello to Flea Flicker, who's one of the sponsors of today's show. It's go time for fantasy football spring drafts. If your current site makes your league updates harder than they need to be, it's time to try something better. Flea Flicker understands your pain points. It was built for the commissioners. By the commissioners. They've got features like email drafts that make draft coordination a breeze, and your league is going to appreciate the option to trade year-round, including future draft picks. When you add in lightning-fast live scoring, an easy-to-use interface, powerful commissioner tools, dynasty features, and a new mobile app, you'll be good to go with Flea Flicker. Want to spice things up? Choose from 125 scoring rules and 12 NFL positions. Flea Flicker has partnered with Fantasy Pros to provide reliable rankings and projections, and best of all, Flea Flicker is 100% free. Visit fleaflicker.com slash pros today. That's F-L-E-A, flicker.com slash pros, P-R-O-S. All right, guys, let's go to running back now. Just how high would you take Barkley in a redraft league? Tag, we'll start with you. Um, I Right now, I want to say that he'd be the ninth or 10th pick 
Um, you know, you ha- I, I wouldn't take him over Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones. Those are the wide receivers that I would take over him. And I would take Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson, uh, Leonard Fournette's in the conversation. I think I think I, right now I have Fournette a spot higher in standard formats. If Me you too. go if you go over to PPR, I would bump him above Fournette. Uh, but so I think that right now he's a uh, I'd say a late first rounder. I mean. You kind of have to figure out, like, what is this offense going to do? Because if you're projecting massive things for Saquon Barkley, which is fair, you know, the guy, they took him at number two overall. He's supposed to be a generational talent. I get it. But are you really going to take that much away from Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard in the passing offense? I don't know that they can. I mean, why? Especially if you're playing from down from from behind, you're going to have to pass the ball. But, you know, Barkley can help in that. As much as I hated the pick with Barkley at number two. You got to love the player. It's a bad fit in terms of the offensive line and, and the game scripts that are likely to be uh, going on. But Barkley's going to get 300 touches, so he's got to be a first rounder. I've got him number 11 right now. Well, and that's the thing. Like, so the continuity of the offensive line, right? Like, they went out and got Nate Solder. I know that they drafted Will Hernandez. And this this offensive line has a lot of moving parts. We saw the same thing in Cleveland last year, where it's like they had pro bowlers on the offensive line. Like, it was stacked. They were just missing a right tackle. But it took some time for them to gel together because a lot of the guys were were playing together for the first time. So I. Think think yeah. it's going to take some time for this offensive line to start gelling so again I like Barkley the player but at the same time you have to look at the offense and say is this going to be a top 10 scoring offense I don't know that it is just yet yeah I, I totally agree with you there tags I, I think you guys nailed it that offensive line is what's gonna you know cap him a little bit when it comes to elite production and I think it's it's going to be easy for fantasy owners to look at recent drafts and say, look what Zeke did and look what Fournette did coming in. Um, this isn't exactly the same situation. Even if the Giants say that they want it to be, they aren't really set up to run the ball. They're trying, and I agree with that. You know, the additions of Soldier and um, and Hernandez, I think those are both you know great additions on their offensive line that will help. Um, but I just don't see him having that elite, elite production in year one. So I think... I think he's going to end up going, I think by August, we're probably going to see him go mid first round. Um, I would start to consider him near the end of the first round. I don't know that I would pull the trigger until the second round, though. Um, and maybe I'm being overly cautious there because um, I am projecting him to have a, a very strong season. Um, I have him at my as my RB10. But I just I don't think that uh, I'd be willing to invest a first round pick with so much wow. uncertainty on that Giants offense. So RB10, you've got probably Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Mark Ingram, Melvin Gordon ahead of him. I have. Yeah, I have all those all those guys ahead of him. Wow. Uh, I have Dalvin Cook as well ahead of him. OK. And now, Tags, would you rather have Saquon Barkley this year or Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt? Um, one or, uh, You're talking about between just picking one of the three? Yeah. Barkley. Yeah, yeah, I, I Barkley too. Yeah, Kamara's gonna have some regression. I love the I love the player, um, and I think he'll be fine. But I have him right behind Barkley and Hunt. As much as people don't want to admit it, I think that there there could be some some sharing there between Damian Williams, who they signed in free agency, and or Spencer Ware, who's coming back. Um, they also added a lot to that passing offense. I think this is a different team. I don't, you know, people complain that Kareem Hunt didn't get enough carries last year, and that was a team with a better defense than the one that's returning in 2018. So, I mean, the Chiefs' defense is going to be legit bad. So a lot more passing. Too. Yeah, they're going to be involved. And and Pat Mahomes is not the type of quarterback that seems like he would check down a whole lot. So. I mean, I'm not down on, I mean, Hunt's my number eight running back, so I'm not completely down on him, but I, I wouldn't take him over Barkley. I feel like if you don't get one of these top five running backs, you kind of almost have to go like wait on running back because there's just, there's not as much value after Zeke and Fournette and David Johnson and Gurley and Bell. Um, I, I feel like Barkley at 10, it's where he belongs, but like the difference between nine and 10, I feel like you're kind of falling off a cliff there. I feel that way when you get to around the 20 range. Like, I think it's like, there's like 20 to 22, 23 running backs I'd feel okay with. Um, but wide receiver, we'll, we'll be talking about that in a minute. But wide receiver, once you get outside like the top 12 or 13 guys, I'm like stumped. You could make a case. <laughs> yep. you, know, you could make a case for the guy sitting at 35 to finish his number, you know, 18. Like that, that's a legit thing. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, w- I would prefer to get uh, one, at least one, if not two of the top 12 receivers this year. And for running back, I, I totally agree. I think there's, uh, with tags, I think there are a lot of guys at running back. I think your your top 24 almost is, is pretty exciting to me, and I think we're going to talk about a couple mm-hmm. of them coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the uh, the running back two for the ro- rookie draft, at least. Um, who is it? Like, it could be any of these guys. Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny. Um, it could even be Ronald Jones or Royce Freeman. Uh, J- Justin, who do you have out of this group? 
If we're looking at Dynasty, I think Geis is my RB2 there. I, I really, really like him. I like the landing spot. All the, the character concerns that came up during the draft, um, I don't know if we can really make much of that. You know, the we'll see his play on the field. We'll see if the, you know, immaturity that they talked about, if that pops up. But I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue as as teams made it out to be, or at least as some of the media made it out to be. Um, you know, and Geis is a, a different prospect than, you know, Barkley. Clearly, I think his receiving skills are maybe a little bit better than people realize, but he's not probably going to get to show them off the start with Chris Thompson there. Um, But he's a guy that can really become uh, a a top notch running back in my mind. And he's playing behind a line that's that's pretty good. They had some issues uh, last season when it came to injuries, but they have three solid starters there. Um, And I I think he's going to come onto the scene and be an RB2 right away. Um, I know Chris Thompson's a guy that I like a lot, but he's also had injury issues in the past as well. I would not be shocked to see him miss part of the season again. Um, and if that happens, Geis is the guy I have no interest in, you know, uh, Samaj Pirine. I, you know, he's just a, a true backup now to Geis. Um, so we're going to see him jump on the scene and I think produce right away and over the long term. Plus they've got Alex Smith. I mean, they're not going to pass the ball 550 times with him. So it's going to be a running back show there. I've got Geis as my number two this year uh, in terms of redraft. I also have him number two in dynasty. Right now for redraft, I've got him as my number 18 running back. Uh, Michelle is 20. Penny's 21. So all three of those guys are really close. Tags, where do you have them? Yeah, we're pretty close um, in terms of that. I have Sony Michelle as my number two uh, rookie running back in redraft, and I have him at 19 right now. And I'm I, like I said, I'm going through projections this week, so it, things are going to change. But the reason I do that is because if you guys didn't get to see it, um, I actually did an article where I went through and looked up basically how rookies perform in rel- in relation to where they were drafted in their rookie year. So there have been fi- so this is over the last uh I want to say it's the last 5 years. Um they there there have been five running backs so it's a small sample size but 80% of the time they've delivered RB2 numbers and their fantasy finish on average is 15.6 as the RB15. Second rounders drop to the RB34 average and they only give you RB2 performances 30.8% of the time. So it's like this difference from first to second round did have a massive change. Now, there were some big name running backs that came out of the draft. So I like I said, it's a very small sample size. But at the same time, the reason that I want to say Sony Michelle here is because the Patriots traditionally do not spend equity on the running back position. They wait and they go out and get guys like Jeremy Hill. They trade a fifth or a sixth round pick for Mike or give away that for Mike Gillisley because the bills were being cheap. You know, they, they, they get Rex Burkhead for dirt minimum. You know what I mean? Like they get these guys for so much cheap and they bring him in like Eric Blunt. He was head for really cheap and they just plug these guys in they play them. They plug them, they play them. And now they go and they spend a first round pick on Sony Michelle, by the way, who had no concerns about his knees all of a sudden coming up until about a week, week or two away from the draft. And all of a sudden this bone on bone knee thing comes up. Do you think that the Patriots may have floated that out there? I do, Um, because Sony Michelle was someone who was creeping up draft boards. Sonny Michelle can do it all. He can pass block right away, and they're going to need that because Isaiah Wynn at left tackle, I don't know how that's going to pan out, especially as a rookie, you know. Um, so Michelle is going to be asked to keep, stay in and pass block. He's going to have that. He can handle the work on first and second down. I really don't have any worries about him. It, it knocked down Rex Burkhead for me. Um, Darius Geis, again, I have him right behind Michelle, so it's not like I'm far off you guys. I just think that Chris Thompson is going to catch passes out of the backfield. Geis is going to be in somewhat of a timeshare. It's not going to be a massive one, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a timeshare. Whereas Michelle, I just think he stays in the field. I don't think the Patriots draft him knowing how small their window is on a player that they're going to pull out of the game for half of it. I just don't think it happens. So it sounds like uh, behind Barkley, there's kind of two tiers here. You've got Sony Michelle, uh, you've got Penny and Geis, and then the second tier back there, you've got Freeman, Ronald Jones, and Nick Chubb, who I don't know what's going to happen with Carlos Hyde. Uh, Justin, are you seeing it as those two tiers too, or does Nick Chubb not even belong in that second tier? No, I think Chubb does make it there. That's going to be one of the most uh, interesting camp battles I think we're we're going to get to see. Carlos Hyde's got a ton of talent. Like we cannot discredit mm-hmm. him whatsoever. Um, but when you look at it, you know, if Hyde does even win the job, how long is he going to keep it for? He's another guy that has injury concerns in the past. So um, I think Chubb definitely belongs in that that next rank. Um, but I think for sure Michelle and uh, and Geis are in a league of their own. And then we're looking at guys like, you know, Penny um, and Penny. I really want to see where he, where they decide to use him. They, they talked it up after the draft that they see him as a three down back. 
there's obviously an opportunity. They need a three down back there. But I do like Chris Carson, and I still think Carson's going to get some work. Um, obviously, they drafted Penny to take over, you know, spending that much draft capital on them. Um, and if he gets that three down role, he could sneak into that uh, that group above with with Geis and Michelle. Um, we bounced around a little bit there. I just want to make it clear for Dynasty. I think Geis is the guy. If we're talking about redraft this year, I am also extremely excited about Sony Michelle, though. There you go. And and, and Bobby, I want to. I, I do want to say that Ronald Jones belongs in the conversation with Michelle and Geis, like. You I, think so? okay. I'm very tempted to put Jones above guys. And like I said, once I do my projections, it's going to change some things because like that's where it's like my feel and my projections like they meet and it's like, OK, we have to decide on which way to go. But Jones, he's a clear cut RB like he's like walking into the RB one role there. Uh, like Charles Sims was a guy that they didn't sign until last week. Like they sent him to a one year deal. Jaquiz Rogers isn't someone they want to put on the field. We saw both that just third down back. Yeah. Peyton like, Barber you, you is a, is a backup. Workhorses. Yeah, but that's the thing is like Ronald Jones, he plays on a much better offense than Rashad Penny. And that's the reason that I would rather have Ronald Jones. We saw running backs continually run into the back of the offensive line in Seattle last year. Their defense is pathetic. Um, that team is going to move through Russell Wilson. Like I, I know that they want to get back to running the ball, and that's cute. But if you don't have the team to do that, then you're not going to be able to do it, Pete Carroll. So I would say I would say build your defense because if you want to run the ball, you need to play defense. They don't have that right now. Their secondary is a mess. Their cornerback position is just not going to be able to handle anything. I think they're really going to miss Richard Sherman. Uh, but Rashad Penny, I like him as a running back. I hate the landing spot. He's going to get carries. Yes, absolutely. And because of that, I have him as a low-end RB2. But I would rather have Ronald Jones in a much better offense. I got to disagree with the, the Penny Jones uh, take. I think with Penny, we've seen... Uh, running backs with, you know, running quarterbacks like Wilson have a lot of success. Mm -hmm. And and the running backs there last year, even though, you know, before the season, they certainly wouldn't have been names that you were getting excited about. Chris Carson and Mike Davis, they had some success last year. They were fantasy starters. So I think Penny could step into that. And that's why I think it's key if he gets that third down role. I think that's what would vault him because I do agree the defense isn't as good, but it started to fall off last year. So if that Mm -hmm. defense does struggle, but he gets that third down role, I think that's what's going to propel him. When I'm looking at Ronald Jones, I don't see him as a sustainer. I think he's super explosive, you know, at 5'11", a little over 200 pounds, uh, you know, not the biggest guy, but he's definitely an explosive back. But I still think Peyton Barber, despite not being the most talented guy, um, I think they're going to keep him involved just to help Ronald Jones. I don't think they're going to want to give Ronald Jones 20, 25 carries a game. I just can't imagine that they're going to do that. And if they do, I would worry about his health. Um, cause like yeah. I said, I don't see him being that kind of guy that's going to carry the offense in that way. I see he's more of a, I see him, you know, being more of a, a big play guy, um, and then working him in that way. Well, I mean, Penny has the pass catching to be a third down back, but his pass blocking is so Awful. bad. I can't imagine that they're going to stick him out there and risk Russell Wilson's life. Yeah, because if Russell Wilson goes down there, they're just like we talked about this in the last show that they're a bottom five team in the NFL. But Jones, well, no, they have those great backup quarterbacks. But here's my here's the reason that I don't <laughs> believe Peyton Barber is going to threaten the workload of Jones. I think they're going to give Jones as much as he can handle. And I, I I'm with you. I don't think he's a 20 to 25 carry, but I, I could see 15 to 18 carries a game and then mixed in with a couple receptions. And the reason I say that. It, that Barber, I don't believe he's a thing because you look at how bad Doug Martin was and for how long it, it took for them to say, okay, well, I guess we have to move on from Doug Martin because he's just that bad. It took him so long to go to Peyton Barber. And even at the beginning of the season, like they wanted to put Jaquiz Rogers out there before him. And he's been on the team for a while. It's not like I think that was his third year with the team. So I think they know what they have in him. I don't think they would have spent second round capital. Uh, especially the front of the second round to take Ronald Jones if if they didn't feel they needed someone to address that position. So I'm anticipating somewhere in between 15 to 20 touches per game on an offense that that should be, I would say, I mean, they should be a top 12 scoring offense. They've been in Dirk Cutter's offense forever. They got so many good pieces on offense. Their offensive line's not great, but again, how many times can you stick more than seven defenders up in the box when you have all the weapons that they do on the perimeter? For sure. Guys, we're going to move on over to wide receivers here in just a second. But before we do, another one of the sponsors of today's show, Teamstake.com. If you're tired of hassling family and friends for Fantasy League entry fees, try Teamstake. I've been using them the last few years. It makes life as a commissioner so much easier. They provide fantasy sports leagues with a fully customizable payment collection and payout distribution system at no charge. Seriously, this isn't some trick. 
It's 100% free to use, safe and secure transactions, professional safekeeping, and extremely easy to use with all kinds of customizable features. Again, that's TeamStake.com, and it is absolutely free. Okay, guys, uh, redraft leagues. Is DJ Moore your top redraft wide receiver? Let's go with you first, Justin. 100%. You know, we're talking about pro-ready prospects. Moore is a guy that can step in from day one and take on a, a significant role in the offense. And when you look at the Panthers, they need somebody like that. They need a playmaker. I, I like Devin Funches. I think Devin Funches is a guy who's going to be in that offense for a while here. Um, and obviously, you know, Greg Olson's there. They, they have some weapons. They brought in Torrey Smith, you know, so he'll be able to draw his pass interferences once in a while. But I, I think Moore is a guy who could be that dynamic weapon. I think the comparisons to Steve Smith are warranted. Um, you know, I, that's a big, big lofty comparison, obviously, but I think he has a, you know, a great catch range and I think he's able to make plays once he gets the ball in his hands. Um, and, you know, I know receivers don't always make an impact in their first year and which is why I, I have most of them ranked pretty low. I think, um, I haven't looked at it compared to everyone else, but I, I would imagine that I'm probably lower on guys like Calvin Ridley and others, um, than most, but I, I think Moore is the one guy that I would consider drafting this year, um, and have my ranks because I think he's going to be relevant as a wide receiver four with a pretty clear path to wide receiver three numbers. Tags, I imagine you're right there with me. I've got Moore as my number two wide receiver in redraft this year. I've met number 47, which is definitely draftable. And uh, behind him, Michael Gallup is like an end of the roster uh, type of player. Cortland Sutton, same type of thing. Uh, Maybe you could squeeze James Washington on your roster. For deeper leagues, I love Traquan Smith, and um, I'm sure we'll get to that in a future episode. But my number one guy is Calvin Ridley. I've got him at number 41. I think he plays opposite of Julio. Sanu's in the slot. And Ridley, I mean, he's older. That's one of the reasons he wasn't one of my favorite prospects. But he's as polished as it gets, and he's ready to go. He's with a great quarterback. Um, just had one of the greatest quarterback seasons of all time two years ago. Tagged as Ridley, you're number one as well. Uh, so this was this one's tough for me because I feel like Ridley would be the guy that I would target in best ball formats. But I also believe that he's not going to be a wide receiver that you're going to want to start on a weekly basis because I think it's going to okay. be a little hit or miss uh, with Julio Jones being the big man on campus there. And it's funny because we all have different wide receiver ones here. Like we have DJ Moore, Kevin Ridley. But the thing is, I have them literally in a cluster. I have four rookie wide receivers who are in a cluster right now. And I want to see how things shake out in the depth charts because Michael Gallup is the guy that I actually want to put as my number one receiver in redraft. And I I say that because I don't believe in the other talent on the roster. I, I, I don't think that Dallas has the talent on the roster to, to put Michael Gallup on the bench because, I mean, are you really going to put out Deontay Thompson and Alan Hearns or Terrence Williams as your starting receivers? Just ask the Bears how that stuff plays out. Like, seriously, like <laughs> ask them how it, how it works out. And they went out in free agency. They signed Alan Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and then they drafted Anthony Miller because it doesn't work. They need to sell well, the tickets. The Cowboys know how this works because they've been doing it for three years and they're not going to stop. They need to sell tickets. And the only way you're going to do that is you put your you put your number one receiver on the field and Michael Gallup is the most talented wide receiver of that bunch and it's I don't even think it's all that close I think Gallup is one of those that's pretty pro ready he did run a lot of routes there DJ Moore was someone who his route tree is a little limited uh, he rounds out a lot of his routes he's not a precise route runner like Calvin Ridley but I do think he's walking into targets I think he's the safest one to project targets for because I think that I, I can automatically tell you right now that I'm going to project him for like 80 targets but the thing is is like we, we talked about this before, Bobby, is that, you know, from Cam Newton, how consistent is he going to be? And that's why I don't think the upside is going to be what people want it to be. I think Devin Funch is still the end zone guy. I think he has Greg Olson over the middle that people have forgotten about. This guy was seeing 120 targets a year. Like Greg Olson was a massive part of this offense uh, to get have him back healthy. Christian McCaffrey is going to keep growing into his role. I don't know if the upside is there for DJ Moore. And that's why I don't think I love the situation. Again, Ridley's going to have those big games. But then the last one is Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller's walking into a starting gig opposite Allen Robinson. And then Taylor Gabriel's going to be the uh, the guy that they move around and they're going to use him in trick ways and stuff like that. Miller, it wouldn't shock me if he turns into the number one guy because Allen Robinson's going to see a bunch of top-tier cornerbacks. And if we've known anything about the Chiefs offense, they're not going to force feed one guy. Like you go to the Reed offense, you go to uh, Doug Peterson's offense and you look at it and you say, yeah, they don't really force feed anybody. They take what the defense gives them. And it's very possible that Anthony Miller is the one who's the main beneficiary of Allen Robinson being on the field. So those guys are all in this cust- like a cluster for me. And it really can change when we see, you know, preseason action. If we see if Gallup gets into the starting lineup, because if he doesn't, I think DJ Moore is the safest one. But I think if you're looking for upside, I'd rather have Ridley or Miller. 
I like that you're you're going at the Cowboys receivers like you are because I think it's been shocking to me that people are just sort of assuming that Alan Hearns is going to be able to have this huge season in Dallas. <laughs> it's possible. He he had a good year before, but to assume that he's going to step in and all of a sudden be this, you know, high impact player, it would surprise me. So I like the the path that that Gallup has, um the chance there and that's going to be one we're going to for sure have to watch over the the course of the offseason here. I also think Miller, the problem with him, and I, I like him as well, uh, maybe as a PPR option even, but I also think that there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. There there are a lot of guys with, you know, Rob Robinson's there with Trey Burton. I think, you know, I think they're going to get Tariq Cohen a lot more involved yep. this year. Um, so I think that could be his issue, almost like you're suggesting with, with DJ Moore having, you know, a lot of guys around who might be soaking up some of those targets. And when it comes to Ridley, I, I'm assuming, like I said before, that I'm going to be lower on him than most. Um, but I just looking at that offense last year, when we're talking about Matt Ryan's huge season two years ago, that was a completely different situation with Kyle Shanahan there. You know, he had that big MVP year. Last year, that offense was very disappointing. He, he struggled just to get to mm-hmm. 20 touchdowns. So unless Ridley comes in and soaks up all that Muhammad Sanu work, and I don't think he will. I, I still feel like Sanu will be involved. Um, I just don't see him having enough where, where he can, you know, go off and be a super fantasy relevant guy because of the presence of Julio there as well. I think the short story here that we can all agree with is none of these guys are wide receivers that you play every single week. Nope. They're all kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't even call them lottery tickets because it's not like anyone's going to step in and be Odell Beckham. They're matchup plays. And I guess you, you want to have said Odell Beckham was going to step in and be Odell Beckham, but if anyone is going to do it, I, I see, I, I can't even, I can't even think of who it would be. <laughs> I guess I guess you're right, Tags. I think it would be Gallup of all these guys just because of the situation. Right. Or or like like let's talk about for a second, Julio Jones hasn't been exactly durable throughout his career. That's one of the knocks on him and yeah. is that people are worried about him missing time with his foot. If he were to miss time, Calvin Ridley walks into a lot and the talent's there. Like I, I've been on record as saying that I'm 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 the one of the biggest Calvin Ridley believers. I don't think he walked into a great spot to produce right away, but over the long term, I think it's it's a solid landing spot. So um, but yeah, I, I'm, or what happens if Antonio Brown goes down and all of a sudden you've got, you know, 170 targets to go around and James Washington picks up a bunch of them. James Washington is like, uh, yes, he's like one of my favorite ones. Like if you have, like I said before, if you have deep benches in your redraft league and you like, like, let's say that you could stack eight to 10 guys in your bench. James Washington with one of your last picks is going to be a moneymaker at certain times. Like, cause you could just look for a matchup where Antonio Brown will be blanketed by someone like it's hard to say that he's going to be shut down by anybody, but you just look for a matchup that maybe Martavis Bryant would have dominated and look over to James Washington. And he's going to have some of those games. Like he's one of the better best ball targets out there. He's not like an alpha dog though. Like he's not like Beckham who's going to come in and light the world on fire. So um, I, I don't really know what the upside is for him or or any of these guys, really. Mm-hmm. I think Sutton has the most upside, but Sutton's blocked. Yeah, Sutton's. I don't think Sutton's playing very much this year. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be funny this year. You know, last year with the, all the receivers going in the top 10, I think we had some high expectations for some of them at least, and we didn't get much at all. This year, we're kind of down on the receiving core, and now watch, there'll be a couple of them watch, that, they're gonna that blow jump up. out and have huge seasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep, I mean, uh, Keelan Cole last year and at the end of the year was excellent, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be someone that absolutely nobody is talking about. Um, who knows who it'll be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to be tempted. They're going to see DJ Chark got drafted by the Jags. They don't have a a true number one. He's got this exceptional athleticism. Don't do it. <laughs> He's like the fifth wide receiver on the Jags, which is, uh, at least I think so. And I follow the Jags very closely. Um, so I'm not drafting him. Two other guys we haven't mentioned, though, that I do like. Uh, I actually like Dante Pettis and Christian Kirk a little bit more than Anthony Miller, Cortland Sutton for redraft leagues, even James Washington. Um, what do you think about these guys? I don't think Pettis starts the season as a wide receiver. I think he starts on special teams. Uh, he'll be mixed in on four wide receiver sets, but I don't think he's going to be a redraft guy that you would even look at. In regards to Christian Kirk, that was one that we talked about to, with Jeff about, and that one's interesting to me because when I watched Texas A&M tape, like, he was always playing the slot. So Jeff seems to think that he could play on the perimeter as well. I'm not really one of those. I'm just curious uh, of what they do with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk together. Like I don't know if they run more four wide receiver sets. I have no idea. Double slots. Yeah, I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but um, Kirk, I'm lower 
around and redraft. I love him in Dynasty. I think he he's walked into a great spot for Dynasty production. But I would rather have someone like I think I'd rather have Albert Wilson than uh, than Christian Kirk this year. Wow. Yeah. I I agree. No, I totally agree. I got a little bit of flack for leaving Kirk off of my which which rookies will be stars in 2018 post that I did the other day. And it's for the exact reason you just said, with with Fitzgerald blocking him and a passing game that I don't think we should be overly excited about. Do we really see the path for Kirk to put up a big rookie season? I don't think it's there. Now, if Larry gets hurt and all of a sudden Christian Kirk becomes the top guy, maybe, but pretty much everything we're saying today and everything we always say in fantasy is, you know, barring injury. Right. Yeah, of course. Guys, let's close out this segment here before we move on to the veterans by talking about tight ends. Uh, Obviously, there is not a single rookie tight end worth rostering in a redraft league. At least I don't think so. Correct me if I'm wrong here. But in terms of dynasty, who's your favorite guy? As a Bills fan, I don't want to say this, but Gusecki found a great landing spot. That Dolphins Mm -hmm. team had very little talent, if any, at tight end. And now he steps into that situation where, you know, it'll take him a little bit probably. I don't, I agree with you that I don't think there's any tight ends worth taking in redraft. Um, But if anyone is going to do anything in year one, a guy who's a physical freak like that, who is going to step into a situation where he really could soak up all their tight end targets, um, he would be the one that has a chance. And, and I really like him. I, I also like the Baltimore guys, uh, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews, but mm-hmm. I think they're just going to they're going to eat off each other there. Um, and if anything, Andrews might be the better receiver of the two, which kind of complicates things since Hurst was taken in the first round. I think Hurst is the better all round yeah. tight end. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Gusecki would be would be my guy for sure there. I've got Hurst as my number one for redraft, but he's all the way down at like 24. So even in a two tight end league, if you're playing in one of those weird leagues, like he's right on the fringe of even being ownable. I have Hurst at 17 right now, 17, 18. So I I, I think he's someone like I think you should keep an eye on for sure. Because like if you look at Baltimore and, and talk about where the targets have gone in their offense, I've looked at the last uh, six years or five, last five years with Joe Flacco. He targets tight ends a lot. Like it's over 110 times uh, in four of the last five years. And each of the last two, 151 and 134 targets have gone to the tight end. They invested two of their top three picks in tight end, like two, two picks in the first three rounds on tight end. So it's obviously going to be involved i i'm in a weird place with this ravens offense because i feel like they're they're preparing for a change in their offensive philosophy but they haven't got a coach to do that like you know what i mean like they don't have marty morningwig is not gonna all of a sudden transform into this creative play caller like a like a doug peterson you know what i mean like he's not gonna do that so i i i'm i'm really worried about what the direction they're headed but joe flacco has always targeted the tight end and I, hayden hurst you don't draft a 25 year old tight end and not use him because yeah, every, every, everybody knows he's yeah. a guy that, you know, you, you draft him that high because he is pro ready. He's older. He doesn't have the learning curve that some of these other guys do. He's going to be used in a multitude of different ways. You could put him in the backfield. You can line him as a wide receiver. There's a lot of things you could do. And that's the only reason. But he's the only one of the rookie tight ends I have in the top 25 uh, tight ends. So he's the only one I'd con- consider. But in Dynasty, Gesicki is the one. That guy is a freak and it's most likely going to be a, a you know a high top five pick next year that is going to be throwing to him I said I've got Hurst number 24 and Gesicki's number 25 for me so those two are both in the top 25 the next guy is uh, is Goddard all the way down at 32 so not much interest but in terms of moving Hurst up to 17 I mean you'd got to put him above of uh, ASJ Cameron Bray George Kittle Ricky Seals Jones Jake Butt uh, David and Joku, Rico Gathers. I, I like all those guys quite a bit more. And Hurst is in that tier, but I think he's at the end for me. Fair. Now in Dynasty Leagues, Goddard's my number one. Justin, who's your number one guy for Dynasty Leagues? In, in Dynasty, I'm still going with Gasecki. I, I, like I said before, I, okay. I think he's the guy with the best chance, and I think Tags just nailed it. We're going to be seeing a new young quarterback. We almost saw a new young quarterback there this year. There was a lot of talk that the Dolphins were going to take one of those guys if they fell to them. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time and likely next year that we're going to see a, a new quarterback paired up with them and then we'll see where they go from there but Gase likes using the tight end so now he finally has one that has some you know unbelievable athleticism that he can work with that's true yeah he is an unbelievable and don't forget that for they sure. drafted Durham Smythe like a couple rounds later so they have their blocking tight end too so like that's what I'm saying like I feel like uh, Gesicki is going to be used as a wide receiver a lot of times like I, I I think that I don't think you draft a guy like that who's got the wingspan he does the athleticism he does the height the the the, the vertical jump everything that that guy does is off the charts like you need to exploit that in a, in a matchup against a 510 cornerback guys i uh i never draft tight ends in dynasty leagues because 
here's the thing, unless they're Evan Ingram and the five wide receivers ahead of them get hurt and he has to play like wide receiver, he's never going to get enough targets and people are just going to give up on him. Uh, You'll always be able to pick up those guys unless you're in a super deep league, at which point you just trade for him at that point because you can always buy low. So uh, I never really do the whole drafting dynasty tight end thing. Well, even in our pretty deep dynasty league that we have, uh, I'm pretty sure I got George Kittle off the waiver wire last year. So it's it's possible to to get some, you know, yep. especially the young guys that everyone's sort of waiting on or unsure of to get them in their first couple of years. Guys, let's talk about veteran rankings. We're going to do a lightning round here for redraft rankings. Let's start with Rex Burkhead. How far did he move down? Justin, your first. I mean, Burkhead was one of the biggest losers. We we talked earlier about Sony Michelle, and I think we're all pretty high on him. Um, I had Burkhead right up where I have Michelle now as an RB2, um, mm-hmm. even a little bit higher than yep. where I have Michelle now, because I still think Burkhead will be involved, so that caps Michelle a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I have him still as a borderline RB3. Um, we saw last year when Burkhead was healthy, the Patriots used him as a receiving back, and it really took away from James White and his role. Um, so I could see that happening again, where now we're looking at a backfield that's Michelle and Burkhead, um, with White taking a back seat. And I think either one or both of Gillisley and uh, Jeremy Hill are going to get cut. Um, but I still think there's some value to Burkhead and you know, heaven forbid we don't want to see Michelle go down, but Burkhead would be an amazing handcuff if he does go down. I had him at 20, moved him back to 40. Tags, how far did you yep, go? I had him up uh, in the RBC. I'm, I'm right there with Justin. Now he's just, he's right there at the teeter end, like 36, 37 running back uh, for me. I, I feel like he's now James White. I think you, that's how you should approach him. Like James yep, White exactly. was, was a value in drafts last year because you can get him at like the 40th running back off the board and he was able to have a few games for you. I feel like that's going to be Burkhead this year. All right, guys, Marlon Mack, they did not get a running back. Is he a workhorse and how far up your list did he move? I mean, you want to be excited. You really do. But doesn't it just seem like they're going to go committee here? I mean, they took a couple backs. I, I was watching really closely. I, I thought they were going to take a back much earlier than they did. Um, so I was kind of surprised that they waited. Um, and then the guys they got, I mean, Hines is almost like a Marlon Mack type, right? Like he's he's more of that, you know, pass catching, you know, kind of explosive guy. Um, I think Jordan Wilkins is a guy that's kind of interesting now. He's somebody I didn't watch very much at all before the draft. Um, and then once they took him, I like I said, we were waiting to see who was going to show up in that backfield. I went and took a look. I think he brings a lot more to the table than than Hines and is a guy that could be a, a bigger piece of a committee there if they do go that route, which I think they do. Um you know, obviously this is all based on whether Andrew Luck is going to, you know, come back and what kind of mm-hmm. shape he'll be in when he's back. If if for some reason Luck doesn't come back, I don't think anyone's going to want to invest in this backfield. Yep. Yeah, I did not move Mac up that high in my rankings. I had him at 35. I moved him to 31 because he is not leading this team in carries. I'm sorry. It's either Wilkins or it's Matt Jones or it's Christine Michael. <laughs> and I know that sounds disgusting or maybe they signed DeMarco Murray, but it's not going to be Mac. It's going to be one of those guys. I have Mac at RB32. And I, I think- moved him up to 20. 20- I think there's a good chance that we could see one of those guys, a Murray or a CJ Anderson show up there for sure. Yeah. Yep. I've talked about that. CJ Anderson is either going to the Colts or he's going to the Panthers, one or the other. Uh, but if he doesn't go to the Colts, I think Marlon Mack is the one that I would I would bet on uh, to have the most production there. I think Jordan Wilkins is the one that's most likely to have the three down role if they wanted one running back. But it does seem like with the drafting of Hines, he's more of like that specialty guy and, and Wilkins and having Mack on the roster. I, I feel like they're going to go with the committee approach. It's kind of like it might just be like Doug Peterson's offense. Maybe that's what they brought out there, right? Um, so it's very possible. But Mac, I don't know. I think people are going to start overdrafting him. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with. But here's a question for you guys, really quick: Carlos Hyde or Marlon Mack? If you're drafting today in a redraft, Mac. I would also take Mac. Reluctantly, I would take Mac. I don't want either of them. No. <laughs> I would just wait and get value, value for uh, Deontay Freeman or uh, or Rex Burkhead. Yep. Okay, guys, Jarek McKinnon, I moved him all the way up from 19 to 12. I thought for sure the 49ers were going to draft one of these guys like Royce Freeman, who was going to cut into his work. It looks like McKinnon is good to go as the uh, as the three down workhorse back. We'll see if he can handle it. I have him as a running back one right now. I have him right in that range. I've met RB14. I've had to fight myself for moving him up even further. I really want to. It scares me. The, you know, the workload scares me. He's never had that kind of massive workload. Um, yeah. So I worry that he'll, you know, whether he'll be able to hold up to that. Um, but I mean, the amount they paid him in free agency, you know, his skill set, 
a Kyle Shanahan running game. It's all lined up, even the lack of competition, right? It's not like we're, you know, overly enthused about Matt Breda or, or Joe Williams, even though I, I do still hope something happens for poor Joe Williams. I am about I Joe Williams. I hope something still happens <laughs> and he can work his way in there. But um, yeah, McKinnon is going to get all he can handle in that offense. And I agree with a borderline RB1. Yeah, I have him at number 16 right now, so I'm not far off you guys. Okay. What about Christian McCaffrey? Right there with McKinnon. I have him at 17, right behind him. I have him at 100%. Yeah. Another huge winner from the draft, right? Like, And it's the same thing. How much can he handle? They're going to give him all the work he can handle that with that increased workload. Um, you know, who, who, are you really worried about Cameron Artis Payne? Uh, you know, Forrest Whitaker. Uh, sorry, Fonzie Whitaker. Um, yeah, no, no exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I, I think McCaffrey... Could be in line for a huge season. He could be a guy that we're talking about as taking a, a big, big leap this year if he can stay on the field. C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson signing there. It's happening. All right, guys. What happens to Muhammad Sanu now that Calvin Ridley's there? I moved him back just three or four spots, but I think some people are going to move him back even further. Yeah, he moved it back a little bit. I think I have him as right around that 55 to 60 range. Like, I just feel like he's a boring player. Like, he's a player I wouldn't draft because I, I don't feel like there's any upside with him. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he's safe to start most weeks. Sunu gets enough work, and I think he'll continue to get enough work. I, I have him higher. No, than that. I, I bumped him way down. I, I, I just, I, I've still got Sunu in my top fifty. That's that's shocking to me. I, I don't see it with Ridley there. I think, uh, like we talked about before, I think Ridley and and Sunu are going to sort of split that role now, at least for year one. Um, I, I wouldn't have Sunu anywhere near my roster. Okay. All right, guys. Juju Smith Schuster. They went out and added James Washington. Uh, they've also got Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. How many targets are there really to go around? Well, Vince McDonald, they're saying, is going to have an increased role, too. So, I mean, but I, Juju, yeah. it's his efficiency last year was through the roof. Like, that's not going to stay where it is. I, I think Juju's going to fall into the wide receiver three territory this year. Um, I think I think some people are overdrafting him right now because I've seen him go as high as, like, the 15th receiver off the board. Right now, I have him in that 25 to 27 range. Um, and that I feel pretty comfortable with him there, but I know that I'm not going to land him in any drafts because of that. That's right. That's where I've got him too, number 26, right in between Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. Um, I think he's going to be yes, way wide receiver drafted. 27 for me. The the Bryant thing doesn't change anything for me. I think they're going to have other receivers that fill that role. Um, you know, obviously we talked about James Washington. Mm, I yeah. even think you know Darius Hayward Bay always pops up there the odd time and makes some plays. So Juju is a star in the making for sure, but. I, borderline wide receiver two but likely wide receiver three this year okay guys well that's all uh justin we really appreciate you joining us on the show today as always it was a blast thank you for coming on i appreciate you guys having me this is the time of year where we can finally get really excited the rosters are almost set all the rookies are in and now we can really dig in that's right and guys we've got two more shows coming up next week so make sure to subscribe on itunes if you haven't already thanks again to the sponsors of today's show fleaflicker.com slash pros and teamstake.com, both 100% free to use. From Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all slow.